So ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Easy Conversations. Thanks a lot to everyone who listened to the last episode featuring the homie Matt and I. Hope you enjoyed listening to us um, just have an easy conversation on air, no topic in mind, just free-flowing, and I hope it was enjoyable for you all. So now for episode 106 of Easy Conversations. I'm extremely excited, of course, to be back in the studio virtually with the homie Matt. Say what's up to the people. What's going on, everybody? Hope you're having a great day right now. Tonight's episode, a little more, little different. We're not going to be talking about like movies or making a list. Be very chill. Why don't you tell the listeners, Eric, what we're going to be talking about tonight? Yeah, so we're going to be doing our uh, kind of, I would say, at least annual, if not semi-annual, NHL coverage episode. There's been a lot going on in the last few weeks, anyways, in the in the NHL and. Um, just as we're nearing the like trade deadline, the playoffs and all that there, it's fun to get some predictions in before uh, all the chaos truly breaks out in the postseason. Going to do like obviously a few classics. There are like some Sens talk, some uh, perhaps some Leafs coverage and a few other things there. But um, I think first place to start is just a classic. What's a um, gut check right now on the Sens? How are you feeling, Matt, about where we're headed as an organization like at this point in the season, based on expectations and all that. I expected the Sens to be a little more competitive for like that seven or eight spot, you know, in the conference. I'm I think we've we've hit below expectations. Just looking at our talent up front on forward, where we have way more skilled players than a lot of the teams that are above us, in my opinion. And we'll I'll talk about that later, how teams like Carolina or Boston or like how the systems basically a system is greater than individual individual star players but uh no the sends super exciting to watch super fun to watch dynamic offense one of our like our power plays superb um still the same old sends though right eric on defense playing in our own zone our goalies have been good just not like craig anderson 2017 saving our season good type thing so no the sends have are not doing as well as I've I, I've had I'd had hoped, but uh, it's really fun to watch. I've been having a blast watching these games this year, Eric. What are your thoughts on the Sens, like quickly? Yeah, I agree with a lot of what you said. I feel like going into the year, me too. Like I didn't definitely didn't take for granted that we'd make the playoffs, but I expected more different ways of either finding ways to win games in ways that we haven't in the past, and not repeating patterns that we've seen for the last three four years under the dj smith regime of just blowing leads late and kind of collapsing quite often which what we saw against chicago on friday night with the chris neal retirement night but yeah so unfortunately not as much growth as i would have liked to see overall we are kind of in a spot where we are fighting for a playoff spot but i i'll be truly shocked if we make the playoffs at this point it's a little bit of too little too late like that same slow start killed us as it always does but agreed like I absolutely love our top six in my mind it goes toe-to-toe with many of the top sixes at the top of the league like very underrated skill in our top six and you look at like Batherson Norris they're not really talked about that much it'd be like but mm-hmm. like I can't say enough good things about Stutzla and Kachuk for this season like they've taken their game to the next level and I think Especially Stutzla just scratching the surface. And then Claude Giroux has been absolutely outstanding oh. for us. I don't think anyone can say he's been poorer than than we expected him to be. He's been outstanding. And 
the the Brinkett has been kind of a, an interesting one to really dissect because we all expect him to be that goal scorer. Like we, he was labeled that forty goal man incoming is going to score like at, at will it seems, and he's been more of a like, sneaky playmaker honestly, and just hasn't had that that luck maybe that he had on in other seasons to actually finish. But overall, I have been pleased with his game. So, but yeah, it's like you said, the goalies and defenses still um, have been weaknesses in our game after watching like Claude Giroux actually like the whole game like watching him this season so far not just seeing highlights of him on other teams but like he is the smartest player on the ice he's so intelligent I like he's not the fastest but he doesn't let that like he uses that he he, he knows his limitations and he's one of the best passers I've seen in a long time I don't know. Like we all knew he was like that, but just seeing him every every play now, every night, it's fun. It's fun to watch. But like teams, I I don't I can't I don't understand why the Sens, why teams like that don't have a top six that looks like ours at all. You know, Seattle, Carolina, teams like that. Like it's it's the coaching, right, Eric? It's the GM, is the owner. Do you get rid of all three? Is my question. Like do 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 we need a complete like reef reef like a new image? Yeah. So that's a big thought process. Um, that's like in my house anyways, like Andy's not a DJ fan at all. And like, I'm also becoming like not a DJ fan either. And I think that when there, um, there is new ownership that they're going to clean house from the top. Like that's the, um, what we're thinking out here anyways there, because right. I honestly think they should get rid of DJ already, to be honest, because, but then Dorian won't because he knows that once there's a change that's going to happen, like when there's actually going to be new ownership, that he's then going to be let go as well. So he, he feels like he owes it to his friend in DJ Smith to not get rid of him. But if you can make a push for the postseason, I think the move is to get rid of him at this point because this is like an unprecedented amount of losing that we've, that I think we, any NHL team has seen in under a coach that no one truly looks at DJ as like the guy who's going to get you to that next level and being a competitive team in the playoffs. So yeah, I think end of this season, whenever the change in ownership happens, you kind of do have to start fresh and get people with more experience in those positions, people with proven track records. Um, I do think also that you can find fresh faces like a John Cooper, for example, like he just rose through the ranks and became this like now God level coach. But for us, are we going to find that next John Cooper coaching in like a lawyer's men's league? And um, you know <laughs> what I mean? So I think we got to go for experience. And then Dorian, like he's made a few good moves in the last year. But overall, his overall track record is pretty. There's a lot of red in that ledger, as um, Black Widow would say. And I think you have to just scrap him too. So full clean slate, in my opinion. What do you think? Like, I don't wish for anyone to lose their jobs here, but at the end of the day, like, running a professional organization, you're paid to win games. This empire has not been the dynasty we're hoping it would be, so they got to go. I couldn't agree more. I think with a different coach or GM right now, like, we we could be in a playoff spot. Like, I think we have the pieces to be in in the bottom at the bottom of like the top eight we've been trashing the defense there are some positives though this year in jake sanderson he's hurt right now but man the man's been a stud our best defenseman i mean shabbat shabbat he sometimes when he holds on to that puck too long he 
he's just like he, his computer in his head stops working or something. He just loses it. But like still a terrific skater. Zub is solid. You know, like we have three, maybe four good solid defensemen. And I saw Sanderson live against uh, Buffalo, and he was like so fun to watch. Him and Darlene, like Darlene, by the way, was like a treat to watch. Best player on the ice that night, in for both teams. But no, Sanderson's a, like a bright, a shining spot for the future. It's exciting. The Sens, is it the players or the coach? Like, how come we don't have a system in our own zone? Are we being too cute? Like, Batherson is super guilty of this. Like, like kind of like Spezza 15 years ago, doing, like, too many fancy things and not doing the simple play. Stutzla, too. Stutzla's super fun to watch. We'll sometimes lose the puck or do too much, right? Too much showboating. Um, but yeah, what are your thoughts on the defense specifically? Defense specifically, I agree. Emergence of Sanderson, huge okay. bright spot. And um, surprising, I didn't think he'd be as... like he, he did come in with a lot of hype, though. Like it, It's not like it's truly out of nowhere. Yeah. But still, like I felt like the expectations were so high that he was going to step in and be the, this stud savior right away. And he like really has been, honestly. Like, it's, it's super fun yeah. to watch. And he's already looking like he's better than Shabbat. And as someone who has Shabbat in fantasy hockey, extremely frustrating to watch him play at times when he too is guilty of like not doing the simple play. He'll have like the one-timer come across on the power play where he can't take that shot, but instead, no, let's pass it off to someone else so they can get a one-timer at a maybe slightly more open net and then you like, they don't even capitalize on it. So I think a lot of the, the members on the team are guilty of that, of wanting that picture perfect Picasso painting play and not just going for the straight line north-south goal obviously it's not that simple but you know what I mean that's something that frustrates me with the sense too but no on the defensive side Sanderson is the future I also want to say that um Hamannick's been pretty solid this year like he came in yeah people were furious at that acquisition because we could have just picked him up on waivers the year before but ended up giving a second round pick for him so that did look like a Again, a kind of a misstep on Dorion's part where he could have gotten him for nothing, but instead ended up... Like, for Vancouver, that was a win in that they got rid of Hamannick's salary and they also got a second-round pick. It should have been the opposite, where Hamannick and a second-round pick should have came our way. But that's, again, Dorion just being fleeced by GMs left and right. That's just boilerplate Dorion for you. All that to say, Hamannick's been pretty solid on that shutdown pair with Sanderson. Yeah. Zub is Zub. Like, he's... I do kind of worry about the injuries, though. They're starting to pile up a little bit. I hope he can find a way to stay healthy throughout the rest of his tenure with us. But someone I want to mention that actually Big Al, shout out, mentioned when he came on the pod in 2019, well ahead of his years, Maxence Gannett, someone that is kind of forgotten in our organization. He's a six foot three, I want to say around 200 pound right shot D, where now there's these rumors that we're looking to acquire a right shot D and Mackenzie Weger or Colton Pyreko who I I'm just gonna say it right now I hope we stay far away from at this point in time like the guy is seven more years at six and a half deteriorating mm. asset I don't want to see us go for Pyreko even Weger honestly I'm not 100% sold on I would prefer we stay maybe in-house for those two names anyways we'll see what happens I may be completely wrong if we end up getting them and it's a great pick but I do think there is a solid future in our own farm system in Gannett specifically. And then if one of Lassie Thompson and JBD can pan out, that's perfect in my books. But there's a lot to be excited about on our back end especially. And it's not talked about enough, I feel like. 
Yeah, you said a lot of good stuff there, Eric. And I feel like, like Hamannik, Sanderson, Shabbat, Zub, like that's. We just need a couple more, like just defensive defensemen for five and six. Um, but I, I think switching to the goalie, like Forsberg, I think is the man that will can get us to the playoff. We might not win a cup with them, but like Forsberg, I think is solid. Showed some great play this year. I'm a big fan of Forsberg. Um, what do you think? I like Forsberg too. He kind of came out of nowhere in my books. He was like a perennial backup on a lot of teams and then found his spot to shine in Ottawa. Was really good last year. Unfortunate with the injuries this year. So I don't know what we're going to see out of him next year. Like Talbot's a goner. I feel like we we need to trade Talbot at this point to get some sort of asset back for him because there's no way he's re-signing with us. So I think next year we're going to roll with Forsberg and Mads Sogard, who I have liked his play a lot, honestly. Now, at the time we're recording, Talbot's supposed to come back on Friday. So Sogard's going to continue to be the back. Yeah, so Forsberg's done for the rest of the year, right? So that's that was tough to watch against Edmonton there. Yeah. The, um, double tear, I want to say, in his ACL or MCL. That was brutal. But mm-hmm. I think next year you roll a Sogard and Forsberg tandem to eventually lead to a Sogard and Levi Mirilainen tandem, who's our other goalie prospect playing in Finland, who's lighting it up out there. Like, we saw Mandelizi play. Like, that was a great story, him getting his win in New York. Awesome to see. But consensus is they don't really see him as become... But you, like, you never know with goalies. Like so, so unpredictable. It's but true. They don't see him as being a starter at the NHL level. But I think Sogard and Miralainen have a shot at being that tandem... Unfortunately, we traded away Gus Bus. I was always a fan of his, but I can't sit here and say that I wasn't excited when we traded for Talbot. I thought that was like a nice okay, win-now move. It just didn't really, unfortunately, turn out to be that. So, you know, you mm-hmm. take a shot, you miss sometimes. Can't all be hits. Well, you know a lot more about the goalies than I do. I just know like the top three. <laughs> uh, I was at, the, as were you, Eric, but we were at the game, uh, the Chris Neal night Friday uh, the 17th sends against Chicago and they retired Chris Neal's Jersey that night to the rafters, number 25. My question is, is like, and there were, I was talking about this at work all day, all week with coworkers, but like this, a, a player like Chris Neal deserved to have his number retired because I looked at like Toronto and Montreal's alumni of retired jerseys. And I'm like, my Chris Neal, you wouldn't mention his name in the breath as their stars. Right. Is it because it's Ottawa and like he's only our third guy? We have to put somebody. Like, what are your thoughts on selecting a, that type of player for that's like that big honor? Well, you're right. So it's tough to compare us to those two franchises that have that more rich history of like true stars that actually played there and stayed there for a long time. I feel like it's a little different for us too because we have seen a lot of great players come through Ottawa. Unfortunately, they've also come through Ottawa, came and left. So they haven't spent enough time in the organization to truly merit the jersey number retirement process, which Chris Neal kind of default falls under that. And also, to a certain degree, it is impressive what he did. Like, 1,000 games as an enforcer in the NH- at the NHL level, we're never going to see that again. A straight-up enforcer goon like Neal... We won't see that again. And it's kind of what he meant to the, you know, those things you always hear, like the community and what he was, like the heartbeat of the team. 
Um, it flies for us, again, for those reasons, like that we don't have those other players. We have like candidates for down the road if they stay with us. Like I, I do believe that if Kachuk stays for his whole career, like seven's going up for sure. But do I think Kachuk's going to stay his whole career here? I don't. Knowing the Kachuk family history, like we got him for another six years, but I have to imagine if there is no success in those years, that he'll probably look to greener pastures, so to speak. <laughs> so, and then there's also Carlson. You never know if 65, that's probably a number that shouldn't be worn again in Ottawa. So I could, I could see EK, but I don't know yet. That's, um, he'd be the next one, obviously there. Um, what do you think? What are your thoughts on Chris Neal going up? I have no problem with it. First of all, like all, all that to say, I'm happy to see his number up. Yeah, I was just going to say that I'm happy too because even if you're a non-hockey fan in Ottawa, you know the name Chris Neal. Like he transcend he transcends like hockey and he's just a face of the community and tough as nails. Like like you said what he did, well now it's not even like a role anymore on team. Now it's like a grinder that can fight, you know? Like there's no people like Chris Neal anymore. Um and like when they talked about it that night, like they explained it, like Chris Phillips spoke and like, we were all, he said what we were all thinking, you know, like, why he's up there. I told every every Habs fan and Leaf fan at work that, like, I'm like, listen. And I convinced them slowly with the community stuff, with the thousand games, you know, like, he was never was suspended, which adds an element of, like, class and respect, right? Like, he, he wasn't dirty. He was not a dirty player. I mean, he may have had some questionable hits, but who hasn't? I like when they mentioned 2017 when we put him in against the Rangers and then we over we eliminated the Rangers after that. Like he just made everyone two feet taller. So great leader. It was great. It was I had such a fun time at that game up until like the end where we blew the three one lead. But uh, no, it was a it was a fun night for sure. I was just gonna, it was my second game this year and two games is a lot for me. I usually only go to one game a year. So like I'm getting slowly like more. I, I I love watching my sons this year, and even if they don't win, it's fun to watch the Stutzlas, the Bathersons, Giroux, you know, all that. Um, I and live, there's nothing like it, right? Like you've probably been to what, like a dozen games or? Uh, yeah, like uh, ten, a little less than that, I'd say, like probably eight ish, eight, yeah, in that range, I would say, like give or take two. Nice. Um, yeah, no, it's always fun to watch, and like. That could be a transition to another team that is fun to watch, but and has also had the same amount of success as us in the last few years, which would be the Toronto Maple Leafs for different reasons and different ways, of course, of quantifying success. But they're still always fun to watch. Like um, I love to hate them. I love to cheer against them. And they always make it stressful for me watching because they can score at will, it seems. And now yeah. they've added another ars- weapon to their arsenal in Ryan O'Reilly from the St. Louis Blues, which I was pretty in one when I saw that trade come through on Friday night after the Chris Neal retirement uh, game. Not what I wanted to see after that loss. I was furious. Like, I was not happy to see that. While, yes, O'Reilly has struggled this year, he is already has found new life being injected in yeah. this other elite top six. And I think... If they don't win a round with O'Reilly, like, are you kidding me? That's huge. the truth. I will say, like, the team actually is cursed if they don't win a round with this guy now. This is insane. Yeah. How like they're they are built to win. They're in their own heads. They have to get out of their own heads. I think that's the only explanation at this point. What did you think when you saw that trade go through? 
I mean, if I put my mind, like I, I imagined I was a Leaf fan and I'm like, man, this is an amazing trade. As did all the Leaf fans at my work confirm, like they love this. I thought it was a great trade for Toronto, really. I mean, as of the day of recording, he had a hat trick. He had a hat trick the last night against Buffalo, I believe. Um, he's playing in his hometown. He's ex he's happy, you know, like in St. Louis, it wasn't going well. And I feel like that team's imploding a little, you know. Um, Tarasenko's gone. He's O'Reilly's gone. You know, you got Bennington, which he I heard he's like a toxic goalie. Hear nothing, no good things about Bennington. Um, I don't know. So Toronto, Toronto. Here's a problem, though, Eric. They might face like a Tampa Bay in the first round. So what do you say to that? Right, Tampa could easily beat them in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, it looks like that's gonna be the matchup, right? Like, they, no, they're not gonna catch or leapfrog Boston. Boston's just an absolute wagon right now. And yeah. it's going to be... They're fighting for home ice at this point, right? And I think last year Toronto had home ice and that didn't save them either. But I think that, uh, yeah, it's... Now Tampa has to make a move, I think. Because they... I don't... Like, I hope they make a move, honestly. Because I, I think Toronto would have them. I feel like Tampa at some point is going to run out of gas. That In the last three years, they've gone on... Like, they've gone to the cup finals the last three years. And have been a dominant team for so long and it's only right like if you're looking at this as a hollywood script this would only make sense that toronto finally slays that dragon that like five-headed yeah. dragon it would be seven actually for the, all the times they've lost in the first round dragon <laughs> against tampa and then go on to win it all like i tr i really believe i'm not even saying this as like a way to jinx toronto i truly think if they win around they can win it all it yeah, and there's no no better team to beat than Tampa in the first round, who's been the class of the East, if not the league, the last few years. So, kind of a perfect storm for them. I just hope they don't do it. Honestly, I hope Nick Paul yeah. summons his former sense energy and uh, <laughs> rises to the occasion again when it matters most. But and also in that trade, like I think adding Noel Achari as like a depth guy is a good. I got. I, I think of the gif of um, Jesse in Breaking Bad when he says like he can't keep getting away with this. Dubis, he makes these brilliant <laughs> trades and gives up next to nothing. I don't understand. And then it's then then the, the moves just don't work for them. But he makes the moves happen. The players just don't execute, right? Like last year, they got Giordano. Yep. The year before, Foligno. Now O'Reilly. Um, and they didn't give up much, which is what I hated, honestly. They didn't even give up a prospect. There's picks. That's it. Wild. Do you want, do you want to see the Leafs win, Matt? Like, are you on the same camp as me, or would you be okay to see them win? And like, Have they lost enough? What do you think about that? I mean, deep down, I, I wouldn't be upset if they won the... Uh, I don't know. I, I don't hate the Leaf... I like the Leaf players. I hate the Leaf fans. I know I'd hear about it all month, all freaking year at work. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's the fans that make it annoying. But honestly, I'd be happy for the players. I'm not going to lie. I'd be happy for Tavares, Marner, Matthews, Nylander, all of them, Giordano. Like, I'd be really happy for them. Um, they're, they're the first round for the Leafs is going to be the toughest. Like you said, I think once they get past the first round, if and when they get past the first round, it'll be they'll be like, holy shit, we won a round, and they're going to blow up. Like, go catch on fire. Um, I think the East is going to beat each other up this year, though. And then when we play the West, I think, like, Edmonton sneaky could get in there. And, like, this might be their year, Eric. Edmonton. 
on the strength of like McDavid's even having an even better season than he's ever had, which is unreal. Him and Dreisaitl, like, but the first lines cancel each other out in the playoffs, however. So there's a lot to think about there. Like, who do you like in the West? So tough, right? Like, it's, um, you're right. I agree. I think the East is so much stronger. It has been in the regular season anyway. So that by the time they get to the finals, whoever emerges out of the West won't, maybe won't have had as tough of a path to the finals. Yeah. So I've liked Dallas a lot most of the year. They're, they've slowed down a bit lately. Like Robertson, for example, like he started off the year like on absolute fire, but he's been like pretty tailed off quite a bit. But they're still a very strong team and have like sneaky depth. And there's rumors of them like maybe trying to acquire Patrick Kane, which I think if they can add him... He's like he's frustrated that he didn't get traded to New York. Like that was the rumor that he wanted to go there and that didn't happen. So if he goes there, I like them a lot because I don't think there are that many teams that are that strong in the West. I like Edmonton for sure. Um Seattle is in a playoff spot, but I don't know if they have what it takes to win. Vegas is a mess. They're going to get in, but I don't see them as yeah. a real threat. Uh, LA same thing. I like uh, Colorado still honestly probably. Like they're probably the easiest team to pick because then now they don't have as much pressure right? it's like playing with the house's money and they haven't been that dominant in the regular season so they've they've just taken their time carried their energy over to when it matters most and then yeah. McKinnon, and mckinnon always steps it up and that's why i've always said i prefer mckinnon to a lot of these top players in the league like matthews for example where mckinnon finds us another gear in the playoffs and Matthews doesn't either stays the same or even drops down even lower. So just for the Leafs again, like it'll come down to those. You said like the top lines cancel each other out, but I think it'll have to be up to those top guys to get the, the Leafs over the hump to win around. But yeah, in the West, I like Colorado still. I'd love to see Edmonton though, but I hate Edmonton's depth. I don't even think they have depth. Honestly, like it's brutal. Not good. No, not yeah. good. And at Calgary too. I don't even know if they're gonna make it. Like Minnesota. Like what are oh, they at this point? Calgary. It's, it's Calgary. Uh, sorry, sorry to interrupt. Yeah, Calgary with the uh, Huberto. That was rough. Oof. Not a good. Especially first after year, what Matthew sure. Kachuk's doing. Yeah. True. Um, no, there's been a lot of like every year there's players that emerge, you know, now they're in the top ten in scoring, and you would have never have thought that, especially when you're doing a fantasy draft. By the way, I just want to take this time now to say uh, what a huge mistake it was to not keep Brad Marchand as one of my keepers. That's all I'm going to say on it. We're not going to we're not going to discuss it further. Um, still lighting it up and Pasternak, like we always knew he was this good, but second in scoring, amazing. Uh, Tage Thompson for Buffalo. Mm. Did he come out of nowhere or am I just not into the no, Eric? Like, this was expected? Not expected at all. Actually, well, if we're talking about fantasy hockey, I had him last year in the in the pool. And he had a great year. He had, like, I think 38 goals, so just under 40. And I thought, and then he got a big contract in the offseason, too. And I, like, straight up just said, like, yeah, like, this is... Um, not a replica replicable year like I don't think he'll be much more than this if he reaches us again like I thought he maybe overperformed and um yeah like, yeah I would say that overperformed that's what I thought anyways because prior to that he hadn't done anything at the NHL level I think his career high was like 20 points tops the year before then 
and then he exploded the last year, and now this year is just on another level. Like he's looking like he could get a hundred points and not even sweat doing it. And he is sick. Like, he's a, a unicorn of a player. He's like six foot seven, rangy, skilled centerman with a bomb of a shot. Now he is sick, honestly. Like, it is cool to see too that like he was a guy who St. Louis drafted. They got Buffalo got him for O'Reilly from St. Louis, and like there was so much unknown about him if he'd ever pan out. And yes, let me tell you. And uh, it's great to see like these new players become keepers in our leagues. And that's what makes it fun that like before it was pretty stagnant of like always the same guys who you never get a chance to draft. But now there's these younger guys coming up and shaking the game up a little bit. So it is fun to see. Um, But yeah, Pasternak, um, he's a, a free agent after this year. He could easily become the highest paid player in the league if he... If um, he plays hardball with Boston anyways, but I could also see him taking yeah. less and just staying with that team that Boston completely caught me by surprise. I thought for sure we'd mm-hmm. see a decline with this team. I am. Um, I don't think a soul on earth would have thought that Allmark would be having a Vesna winning. I think he's, he's going to win the Vesna most likely year that came out of nowhere. Um, and just the players have shown no sign of aging. Like Bergeron, Marchand, Pasternak, um, DeBrusque has, I think, elevated his game. Krejci's back and killing it. Yeah. And then Lindholm and McAvoy is a one-two punch. They're, but again, if they end up winning the President's Trophy, I don't know if I have them winning the Cup. It's very rare that President's Trophy winning teams win. But we saw Boston against Ottawa the other day. And like that's a, a dominant team. It's like the city of Boston has a winning sports culture. It's infuriating. Yeah. They're just good at every sport, which is why I think Pasternak would stay with Boston. It's just a great city to play sports in. Um, you said a lot of good things there. The past. Oh, yeah. I wanted to. Uh, speaking of like in the top 10, Eric Carlson. Mm. You know, Brett, Brett Burns isn't there anymore. It's Carlson's defense now. Like, it's. He's the leader. Is Eric Carlson back to where he was like in 2017? I hope he is. I mean, I don't watch San Jose games. I just see him on the points, like on the score sheet. But like, man, like is Eric Carlson, is it his second, like, is it like like a phoenix? Did he rise from the ashes? And is, is he back as the one, the man we once knew, you know? Yeah, it's interesting to see, right? Like, I'm super happy for him. And I even said at the start of the year, I'm like, he's going to cool down. Like, this is just a hot start. He, and not that I was wishing anything bad for him at all, but I just didn't, it came out of nowhere in my books, but he's done it all yeah. year long. And I hope he wins the Norris. I think he, he has to at this point. I know it's not all about offensive production there, but forever playing on a terrible San Jose team from what you hear, like he does great things for them, obviously, statistically speaking but yeah it's great to see I don't know about the future though and like there's talks about him getting traded to teams I I would worry about that personally four more years at like 11 million I don't know if this is like what you have to come to expect from Carlson now going forward he is still in like in his 30s I don't know but it is very fun to watch and I actually just want to break some news here for us that something just came through for Ottawa actually so we have finally gotten rid of the player that fans have been clamoring for us to trade for all these years Nikita Zaitsev has been dealt to the Chicago Blackhawks (laughs) awesome yeah so that opens up hey Maxence Gannett it's time to call the boy up but we basically we gave Chicago a second round pick and a fourth round pick in different years to take on Zaitsev 
So that's a trade that just happened just now. That's a good trade for Chicago. I mean, for us too, but like getting two picks solid for them. Yeah. And like for us, exactly. Uh, it frees up some cash. I think we had Zaitsev yeah. for at least one more year. Um, I hope so. Like, there, yeah, he must. There's no way he was a UFA. Um, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that just happened. But yeah, Carlson, great to see. And like I was going to say, if he gets traded to another team, I don't know if you uh, come to expect that from him down the road again, but it's fun to watch. I'm super happy for him. Yeah, and we talked about this earlier, but uh, Stutzla, like he won Player of the Week, I, I believe. He got like 10 point. He's 10 points in the last four games. He's a player. Stutzla's a player. He can get like two, three points every night. He has that opportunity and he has the skill for it. You know, kind of like McDavid has the opportunity, opportunity to get three, four points a night. It's so, like, Stutzla's doing great. I think he's got 59 points or something. Kachuk's right up there, like maybe a point or two more than Stutzla. Yeah. But, like, they're both doing so great on the score sheet, like, on the score sheet, getting their points. Kachuk I literally falls every, every time he's on the ice, he falls, like, every shift. But, like, he's so good at retrieving the puck and checking. And you're like, how does he do it? He's a freaking, like, elastic. He's like a superhero out there, you know? Like, he's just gangly, and but, like, skates fast and gets there, checks you, gets the puck, makes nice passes, nice shots. He's, like, one of a kind. He is. Tough as nails, too. Kachuk yeah. the conqueror. No. And, honestly, he's much better, in my opinion. Like, he... Honestly, I haven't noticed him falling that much this year. I've noticed him more no. in the prior years where he was like always falling, and I haven't seen it as much this year. I feel like he, that's the thing. It's like that's what okay. I was always saying too. It's like once he figures out how to stay on his feet, he's so strong and such a strong skater that he's gonna be a force, and he is. Like he, you have to put him up there as like, it's like at least top five power forward in the league. Honestly, if not number one. Oh yeah. I don't really think there are many players who play a game like him who will fight hit um just out, out muscle you on the boards mm-hmm. score has good skill like he is another unicorn honestly like a, a throwback player and really fun to watch same with suits like we have these two locked up for the next few like six plus years at what looked like high salaries but they're already looking like they're exceeding the value of their their contracts and they're those are going to be steals when you look at their contracts in a few years and the cap's gone up oh yeah so like we're in a really good position that's another thing too like norris has been out like the majority of the year too so we've missed him down the middle i look at next year very positively in a zaitsevless era in the maxence gannett time to succeed and um it's going to be very exciting for us with like everyone with another year of experience under their belt. And speaking of young talent coming to the league, I do want to ask you, Matt, is there a team that you would like to see who at the bottom of the standings right now get the prized first overall pick in Connor Bedard? Do you have a team that you'd like to see? If I were to list like the teams at the bottom of the standings, is there anyone, or just off the top, like, is there anyone you'd want to see him go to? I think it'd be cool if he went to Chicago. Okay. It'd be like the rebirth of Chicago. I don't, I don't, the thing is, I don't want to see him in Columbus. I don't want to see him in Arizona. You know, I don't want to see him like, okay, Montreal. If Montreal like finishes, let's say fifth last and they get him, like, it'd be cool. Like, I don't know. Here's the thing I hate Montreal fans too, and they like wouldn't leave us alone. But, and Montreal would be great again with Bedard. You know, they rebuild around him. Yep. I'd rather he go to Montreal than Arizona, Columbus, or, uh, like, any team. Like, I don't know, the teams where there's no hockey market. 
Uh, Chicago would be my number one choice. I hope he goes to Chicago. Just, it's a great hockey city. It's an original six team. It'd be awesome. How about you? So I do not want him to go to both Chicago and Montreal, honestly. So especially Montreal, like Montreal's probably my least favorite of him for him to go to because like you said then we'd hear all about him we'd we'd grow to hate this guy too and i don't want to cheer against Bedard necessarily <laughs> but i would not cheer for him if he was on the Habs straight up so i want them to finish fifth last and then stay fifth last and maybe even get leapfrogged by a few teams who are worthier than them higher than them in the standings so they get the seventh overall pick and <laughs> chicago i don't want them to go there either because like with the Things that have happened with that organization in the last few years kind of mm. sour taste in a lot of people's mouths. And they were good for so long. I don't I feel like they haven't been bad enough for long enough to already get uh. like another but even if they got them, like they have no one in their prospect pool. Like they won't be even if they were to win the lottery, they would not be a good team at the start of next season. I want Columbus to get them, honestly. I feel like that that city has just been robbed of so much in terms of stars that have gone through there. Kind of like us, in a sense. So maybe I feel some sort of affinity with Columbus. And they say, like, sneaky good city to live in. Like, they have a good little fan base. Mm. Uh, you just don't hear much about them. I would like that for them. And then my other pick would be, and like, people don't love this because they ha already have a lot of good young talent, but... Anaheim or San Jose? And I'd probably say San Jose before Anaheim just because they don't have as much set up for the future. If Anaheim wins the lottery, look out. They have so much skill coming up and uh, yeah. would be a pretty nasty team like very quickly, I think. But that would probably be my ranking. of I want Columbus, then um, San Jose, Anaheim. Now, Vancouver, I don't really care for. I know he's from there, but I don't really want Vancouver to get him. Will Bedard, let's say he goes to Anaheim, will Bedard be Anaheim's McDavid or he's he's a totally different type of player? I know you've probably seen, watch more of Bedard play than me, so I pose you the question. Like, is he that much of a game changer, Eric? It's so tough to say, though. Like, the, So on the night that McDavid got 100 points in the NHL, Bedard actually got 100 points in the WHL on the same night. And he got like 100 points in 40-some games, like less than less than 50 games. So... More than two points a game per, yeah. It's still the WHL. It's not the NHL. And people are comparing what he's doing to McDavid. What McDavid's doing in the NHL, in my opinion, is way more impressive than what Bedard is doing in the WHL, which I can't take anything away. Extremely impressive. He's dominating the WHL on a, from what they say, a pretty bad team too. So... <laughs> I will have to wait and see what he does at the NHL level. And again, at the World Juniors, he was very dominant. But I'm just yeah. curious to see how he's going to translate at the next level where the competition is like all grown men. He is a, a smaller player as well. I, I do believe that he has a very good shot and like sneaky, uh, shifty release and great hockey IQ. We'll see um, what he does. Like It's all about what he does at the next level. And uh, I think... He's going to have a great shot to be a, a, a superstar at the NHL level. I'll say right now, I've, I'll be very shocked if he ends up being better than McDavid. Because in my mind, what McDavid does at this level, oh, I've never seen that anyways. And um, it's spectacular to watch. So if he can bring that kind of level of play to the NHL, like that's amazing. I'm all for it. But 
I'm not I can't expect that from him. That's I feel like that's unfair to think that to say that he should be as good as McDavid is. Actually, I just thought you said a lot of good things. There are two things. One, back to Columbus, it would be cool because we would see more Columbus games. We would see Bedard play more than like if he went to like Anaheim and the game's super late at night. So that would be cool. Um, and Columbus, yeah, I, I, I guess it's just because, I don't know, Ohio, like do they deserve, ah, are they really hockey fans? But they have a lot of exciting players right now, you know. Um, okay, McDavid. I remember when Crosby came in the league and was the best player in the league and dominated, and it wasn't even, it's not even close to what McDavid's doing right now. Like, Crosby was great, but McDavid's like a notch above. It's insane. Like, I love watching the high, I watch the Edmonton highlights every t- after every game just to see McDavid. And I know he's always like on the point on the score sheet. It's crazy. Just, it's almost not fair, you know? Like, ugh. And, like, Nugent Hopkins having a great season. Dreisaitl, Hyman. Again, though, their their downfall is going to be their goalie and back end. So, and their depth, like you said, no depth, right? So, yeah. Fun to watch, but, man, are they going to, like, are they going to go to the conference final again? I'm not sure. Yeah, like, easier path again if you look at, like, they'll probably, I think they'll end up in a top three spot in their division. And then, depending on if they're the first seed, then they'll play a wild card, which could be like if they play Calgary again. I don't know if I think Calgary can beat them. I don't think so. Um, I feel like Seattle, though, like they do play that playoff style hockey of just like grind it out. No superstars. They just uh, everyone buys in, punches into work, and uh, put their head down and grind. But no, I think, and we saw it last year, McDavid took his game to the next level again and willed his team past Calgary that a lot of people had, myself included, had as being a better team than Edmonton and um, Edmonton yeah. like swept them. So it's, you never know, but I, I believe in McDavid above most people in the league. Like if I had to pl- pick one player as Braden points as well, of course, as everyone knows I'm a fan of, but uh, McDavid is one of those dudes <laughs> that takes it. He wants to win, right? Like he's hungry at this point, eight years in the league. He's the next, he's the new McKinnon now who doesn't yeah. have his cup and has fought maybe not as much as like a Tavares, I guess. I don't give a shit about Tavares personally. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, and honestly, I don't even think we need to talk about the Habs. Like they're going nowhere fast. Okay, no. So, um, no, no, we don't. <laughs> people like, anyway, I'll just say it really quickly. This is an argument I heard on TSN 1200. I'm sure if you could have it with any Habs fan who would talk about which core would you rather have? The Sens core or the Habs core? It's the Sens and it's not even a conversation. Like it, The Habs is no one who really interests me that much. You, you, yeah, you have Caulfield and Suzuki, sure, great players. But I would take Stutzla, Kachuk, Norris. Um, maybe Debrinkin, honestly, over them. And even like, I believe in Pinto's upside and then... Like Ridley Gregg say that he's better than them right now is definitely crazy. But we have, and then Sanderson and Shabbat, like they don't have that, they don't have a defenseman that comes close to either of them, in my opinion. Like Caden Gooley, get out of here. It's not a, <laughs> hope there's some Habs fans listen to this. <laughs> Show me something otherwise. Like, yeah. yeah, I don't follow Montreal at all, really. Like I couldn't care less about them. 
Um, I work, I do work with a lot of a lot of Habs fans, and they get pissed off every time they win a game because they're like, "Oh, we're trying to tank here." Um, but you were, we were talking about Calgary quickly with Edmonton. Like Calgary did a couple of trades to like to be even better this year, but I think it back like it did it did not pan out with Huberto and Weger. It doesn't seem like it, they got better, and then Kachuk's playing even like Kachuk's having the best season of his career. If I'm if I'm not mistaken, he has a lot of points. Um, a lot of underperformers on Calgary, I think. You know, just from having a c- couple of them on my fantasy team, I was like, oh, they're not doing as well as last year, and that's just deceiving. Is there too much pressure in Calgary? Are those Canadian cities, like, too much pressure to play in, like Vancouver, Calgary, Edmonton? Like, it's pretty serious down there. They care a lot about their hockey. Every Canadian team, actually. What am I saying? So, like, is it just too much? Calgary's been... It's a weird team. Yeah, I think it's like the shakeup that happened, right? Like the Kachuk and Goodell leaving, and then you bring in Huberdeau and Uyghur. And what I've seen is a lot of like, and this is something that has been said about him from a lot of people, is Daryl Sutter. Like I think he is starting to wear off a little bit. Guys are maybe getting sick of playing for him. Like Kachuk, mm. Matt Kachuk, went on a podcast and strongly hinted at one of the main reasons he didn't want to stay in Calgary was because of Sutter. Like he wouldn't play him enough. And like his power play time went down when Sutter became the coach and he was like, not a fan of that. And yeah, when you saw that trade happen, you look at my God, like Calgary got a lot for Kachuk. Like there was, in my opinion, it looked like a, not a steal, but a more lopsided in Calgary's favor when it's turned out to be the complete opposite. Like they call it the Matt Kachuk trade and he's the only one who's lived up to the hype of that trade. He's killing it in Florida, fourth in the league in points. And, um, and Florida is not doing that great either. Like that's a team that you look at next year for like bounce back in general. And um, like you, you shouldn't look at any sign of regression from Kachuk. He should continue to be a point producing machine it's um well Calgary bounce back next year is the question that I don't know. Um Huberdo I mean, I'm surprised he's doing this poorly, but also Sutter maybe not the kind of coach that he is rewarded mm-hmm. under. So if they get a coaching change there, he might be rejuvenated next year. I don't know. But at the end of the day, like Kachuk was the biggest player in that trade. And um Calgary lost him, so that hurt him. And then good little, like I said, walking. So they lost like their top line, which was outstanding last year. So that's a big, uh, big True. loss for them. Kadri coming in is like it's tough to form chemistry when you have so much change happening, right? Yeah. Um, I like okay the Daryl Sitter, like Daryl Sutler. This back to like DJ. The sense like I think that they like playing for DJ. Like he's a good coach in the yeah. sense that like the, the he's well liked by the players. He's always like cool and calm and the doesn't lose his shit like talking to the media after. Very like cool even coach. So I think the like it's not we're not doing poorly because of DJ's coaching style. It's just maybe he doesn't push the like he doesn't implement a system or is it the assistant coaches that are the problem? Do we need different players? I don't think Ottawa has that same problem of like we're playing for a coach we don't like the atmosphere is bad. I think we have good atmosphere right now and the players like are doing like well, like bonding well together. It's just oh man, I don't know like playing in our zone or I don't know what it is honestly with Ottawa. Back to Ottawa. Like I don't all the giveaways do 
it's frustrating night after night. Like we blow a lot of leads. Um, yeah. But no, I frustrating. agree. Like, that is systems though, right? Which would be like I agree. I don't think they don't like DJ and like that they don't like playing for him. But it's that comes down to does he have the systems in place for the players to succeed to the best of their abilities? I think is no. I don't like how he makes and doesn't make adjustments. I actually heard something pretty mm. great the other day on the radio about how this applied for the Super Bowl specifically, how Philadelphia at halftime was up, right? They're up by a, a bit. I forget exactly how much, but they made no adjustments because they were winning. And Andy Reid, the coach for Kansas City, made a bunch of adjustments and caught um, Philadelphia off guard because they were like, oh, we're winning right now. We don't need to make any changes. And Kansas City was like, we have nothing to lose. Or, we're losing. We have to make changes. So the takeaway from it was teams who are doing something well get caught in the false sense of security where like, okay, we're doing one thing well, like nothing needs to change when that shouldn't necessarily be the case. And you should always be looking to make adjustments and modify your systems to find something that'll not become predictable. And maybe that applies more to football mm. than to hockey, but I did find that interesting where, and that's just a tie back to DJ. He makes adjustments, but I think the wrong ones and then doesn't make adjustments and they're the wrong ones as well. When we win a game with Austin Watson in the lineup and then he thinks, oh, we have to have him back in the lineup again. And then only when we truly start to be in a hole is when he'll make an adjustment. Whereas I think that it shouldn't be that, okay, uh, this worked well because everything was this way. We have to keep it exactly. The, like, you know what I mean? And that, can, that yeah, actually is yeah. something that happened a lot with our goalies. He overplayed our goalies three games in a row. You get Talbot three in a row. You get Forsberg. It's like switch him up a little bit. We have a back-to-back play the one who's been rested a little more on the first night and then play the one who's played the last two games in a row on the second one. Little things like that are things that really frustrate me and seem very simple. But I do think that in his mind, he thinks, okay, we've won three in a row, which hasn't happened often. So let's keep rolling with Talbot and Nets kind of thing. You know what I mean? So it's those, um, the decision-making at times is, uh, it's obviously easy for me to say from the sidelines there, but questionable at times, I think. Wow, good dissection, Eric. That's I agree. I couldn't agree more with what you said. Um, like, what doesn't piss me off, but what is frustrating is watching Carolina, which I can't even name you more than like five of their players. Well, maybe more, but like, how are they winning so well? Like, how are they doing so well with? I guess everyone bought into the system and is just playing like playing like Vegas in their in their first season in the league, or playing like Seattle right now. Like, just. Everyone goes all out, and they have like good. They have a lot of strong players. Don't get me wrong, but like, does Ottawa have a better top six than Carolina? I think so on paper, on paper, right? But why are we doing so poorly, and why is Carolina doing so well? Coaching, the goalie, and it's not just it's not Anderson, right? Like he's been hurt. It's I don't don't even know his name. Um, but it's a little frustrating watching that and being like, Ottawa should be better than Carolina on paper. Um, in my opinion, what do you think? It all comes down to exactly what you said. It's system and how they play the game. It's um, I listened to an interview yeah. with Rod Brindamore 
and he said like I he can't say what their formula is because they did ask him like okay like what's your system he's like well I can't say that I have to kill you and um, basically like but you can you can kind of figure it out by just watching them they just play a more they take more risks they play a more like balls to the wall game and um, just more offensive and um, that maybe gives up more defensively but it also creates more offensively that the like they've done the number they've crunched the numbers and it seems like if you take enough risks risks and chances you'll be rewarded over the amount of times that you'll be allowing goals against it's something along those lines anyway like I'm obviously not an expert of okay. Carolina's game I don't watch them play but it's that is the system they have in place and maybe they have a benefit of also having like pretty decent top four like. They have good defensemen who, while their forwards are allowed the chance to take those risks, they can rely on their defensemen to maybe bail them out when it doesn't work out, right? Like, they have guys like like a Brett Pesci, for example. Super underrated. Like, you wouldn't know his name, but he just, like, gets the puck out of his own. Like, a, like how about even more random? Scott Mayfield on the Islanders. Just, like, off the, board, off the glass and out kind of guy. Never going to show up on the score sheet, but is like a good defensive defenseman. And I've long talked about like a Eric Cernak on Tampa. Like you need those guys who just play that role and allows you to create more offensively because you don't have to worry defensively as much because these guys are getting the puck out of their zone. And uh, like I'm not doing in my men's league games and are then generating good opportunities for the players offensively. So those guys, and then it comes down to Ottawa. For we don't have those guys. It's those defensemen that are so rare. Everyone wants them. Where do you find them? <laughs> like you get lucky, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But, well said. Yeah. Did it might be a little early, but like, do we want to save like playoff predictions or like who will be? We'll probably do a whole playoff episode down the road. You're thinking? If you want to do predictions of like who in each conference will like. Eastern Conference final, Western Conference final, like two teams on each side. Sure, And then yeah. finals as well. We can do full prediction. Do you want to go first? Who do you think? Yeah, we'll do like final four. I think it's going to be like... <sighs> Actually, hold on. Yeah, I, 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 I had my East ready, but the West I was thinking, I was like, shit, do I just pick Edmonton, Colorado? No, I, I don't... look at the standings. Uh... Do you have yours ready? No. Well, I could. I could rattle off. Like I, I think I have a pick out of the. So, out of the Metropolitan Division, I think we're gonna see the Rangers again, Eastern Conference Final, and then other team. Like I'm telling, I don't want to say Toronto. I could definitely see them going there. I'll say Boston and the Rangers, Eastern Conference Final. So that's no. first Boston Rangers, and then. West. So I said I like Dallas a lot. It's going to depend if they make a move. I think Winnipeg is going to crumble too. I don't believe in them, to be honest. I think Colorado, Colorado, Edmonton again. Same thing. <laughs> Boring yeah. prediction, but that's what I think. I, I'm thinking Colorado, Edmonton too, but I think... This might be a hot take, but like New Jersey and like Boston, perhaps. You're saying the President's Trophy curse is real, but like this is a soup. This is like a President's Team 
that this is a team that might not even lose more than 10 games in regulation, right? Like, it's on, like, they probably will, but, like, it's insane, right, Eric? I'm not, like, they're, they're having a Montreal Canadian 70s season. That's what's happening right now. Like, I asked my dad, how did, how did it feel like back in the day when Montreal won every game almost? He's like, yeah, it was super boring. They always won. Yeah. Well, Boston's <laughs> almost having that type of season. Um, unreal. I never, I don't know. I always doubt Boston. That's why I never picked Marchand for in fantasy. He was hurt. He's older. Why did I doubt? Why I should pick, like, Bergeron? Ah, ageless. Yeah. Um, so you yeah. got Boston and the Devils. Against Colorado, Edmonton, who's going yeah. to the finals and who's winning? I I honestly think I think Boston's beating Colorado. I think Colorado's going to go to the finals again, but lose. They're going to have an amazing playoff run, but then Boston is going to be like a well-oiled machine, you know, like season. They've defeated all the monsters in the East, and now they can just like demolish the Avalanche. At home, you know, they're going to have home ice advantage. I think Boston's going to win the cup. It's a good call, honestly. Yeah. Like, I'm yeah. circling Safe teams call. out of my yeah. four here. Like, it's, I, I want to see Edmonton go all the way, but I don't think they've gone through enough, honestly, in the playoffs yet. I don't think it's McDavid's time. I think Colorado goes back again, and they play the President's Trophy winning Bruins, like you said. But I think it's back-to-back. Nate Dogg wins the Cup. and Con- Oh, no, he didn't win the Conn Smythe. But I think Colorado again over Boston. Ooh, love it. That'd be a hell of a finals. It so. would, that'd be a great final, awesome. honestly. Like Boston, yeah. tough path to the final, dominant regular season. Do they have what it takes to close out the Cinderella story and uh, perfect uh, season, pretty much? We shall see. It's going to be Seattle versus Tampa in the finals, and we're all wrong. So, Seattle Seattle doing like a Vegas on their first season. like That's kind of what they're doing. I'm all in on Seattle. If they make it to the final, if, if they go on a run, I'm cheering for Seattle 100%. I've been on, I've been on the wave from day one, kind of, and uh, <laughs> I mess with Seattle. Yeah. But no, overall, it's been a really fun season to watch. In terms of, like, there's been a lot of points this season. Like, if you look at the leaderboard, a lot of players are, like, more than a point per game. Well, a lot. Like, more than I I normally expect. And it's fun to see. It's fun to just see, like, people doing well and, like, the ceiling getting higher and higher. So I respect... I I, I like to see that a lot. Um, Hockey's the best sport in the world. It is. This is the reason why. Agreed. Did you want to? I don't have that much more. Did you have any other talking points? I no, I think pretty that much was said it. what I, I needed like to say. Capping off with our cup predictions is a good way to to go for hockey. Okay. Um, dive in random recommendations. Sure, recommendations or stay away from. <laughs> Just itching what do to you talk got? about this now. Um, do people it. People who have heard, who people have been around me in the last few days. And have talked about this movie with me. Are gonna just like stop listening to the pod? Like you've already heard this a million times. I'm gonna say it again. So I went and watched Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantum Mania on Thursday opening night. Was pretty fired up to go. I've been excited to see it for months now. 
Thank God I saw that it was getting horrible reviews before I saw this. Because had I stayed away and went in with the same excitement that I've had for these last few months, I would have been so disappointed. They cannot mm. be understated. They, they did so many things <laughs> in this one that I absolutely hated. Like, absolutely uh. hated. And there's a lot that I liked. Uh. Don't get me wrong. I liked some things in there. But I'll tell you right now, no spoilers. During the end of the movie, I was like in disgust at what I was watching. <laughs> Such a misleading trailer and the vibe that I thought uh. we were going to be getting with this movie based on what I saw in the trailers was not this. This was a movie for kids and a step back in the MCU. The only good thing I will say is that it does a decent job at setting up the next movies to come kind of, but I wish they did it in a different way and that they didn't do what they did with certain characters without spoiling it. Unfortunately, I can't say that much more. Okay, so I'm going to offer now some spoiler thoughts about Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. I'm just going to give myself a little two minutes to rant here. If you haven't seen the movie, fast forward two minutes and then be back to the conversation with Matt. So the things I hated the most are how they made Kang look like a bitch. Be able to be punked by Ant-Man the Wasp and Cassie Lang, who's had no formal training whatsoever, and somehow are able to hold their own against this formidable villain that we're being introduced to as the next Thanos fell completely flat and also how in the friggin last minute of play in the third period the ants come through which i saw coming a mile away was like i said i had my arms crossed was furious when i saw them come through and i knew right away like the ants are going to overtake king here it's obvious fell completely flat again the rebellion couldn't care less about all these like these oppressed <laughs> quantum realm dwellers who Again, talk about Kang like he's this Voldemort-like, we, we cannot say his name, person. And then again, he doesn't have that much power other than when he kind of wipes out a few of these rebels for like maybe 20 seconds. Then when he got, has to fight Ant-Man, he's somehow unable to take him on. I understand his suit was broken, but still, I feel like he should have been able to just completely own him. And also, Ant-Man's sacrifice meant next to nothing because he was able to be pulled out of the quantum realm in less than two minutes after he defeated Kang, which again was dumb. But anyway, so what I'm looking forward to seeing now is the Council of Kangs. I want to see them be truly formidable villains. I think now they're going to take the Avengers seriously and realize that they need to step their game up. Um, what else is there? I don't know. Modoc, like, no real issues with him. He did look goofy and he was always the butt of the joke. Kind of worked. I don't know, like, I'm gonna, knowing what I know now, now I know I'm at two minutes there on the dot there, but knowing what I know now, I'm curious to see how this plays on rewatch, how disappointed I was, and just like I said, knowing what it tees up for the future, but overall, really wish that they had made Kang win in this one, and make him escape the quantum realm, but if this leads to the Council of Kangs being truly dominant, then this movie will have achieved its purpose, which is to set up the future Avengers movies. But as a whole, standalone movie, this fell really flat. So that's two and a half minutes now. I'm done. Back to the conversation with Matt. But um, it was a letdown. Kang was sick. Definitely, as expected, 
but also not at the same time. I honestly, I mean, I'm pretty sure you can you can guess what I'm saying. Kang wasn't as yeah. sick as I thought he would be. I'll just say that, and um, it was a lot of frustrating to watch at times. Was it like Thor, Love and Thunder, frustrating or more? So it's tough to to really say that because honestly, like, I didn't hate I didn't hate Thor, Love and Thunder when I saw it. It's more like looking back on it and having seen it a second time, which is why I want to see this again and see what I think, knowing what happens. If my take kind of simmers down a little bit and I ease up on what I thought about the movie, but it's different. Like I thought it would be a movie where things get darker perhaps and, um, Uh. you know... There's good things to come. I know that for sure. Like, for sure. Honestly, some of the highlights of the movies were the post-credit scenes. They're unreal. Like, I'm very excited for what's to come still. I have faith in what's to come. But I think this is a major misstep. A Jonathan Majors misstep. (laughs) And um, they they showed us some good stuff, though, in the post-credit scene. And, okay, so actually, my take on the movie falls back to something that you said quite a few episodes ago about should I be disappointed at a movie because it didn't do what I thought it would or should have done? Yes, I can think this because I think what they should have done would have been better. But yeah, first take, wildly disappointed. So the wait is, we're continuing the wait for our next Civil War or Infinity War movie. Okay. So will that be Guardians 3 or will that be... Okay. I hope Guardians 3 is good, honestly. But I have to All just right. lower my expectations James Gun- things. Yeah. That's disappointing to hear. And when 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 your thoughts were known... Like when I saw your thoughts on Letterboxd, your review of the movie, I was like, ah, it just deflated all my like i hadn't seen really any trailer right i was really excited and i was like ah shit and like i trust your i yeah i trust your uh opinion like i really trust your opinion eric like we have very similar opinions on the marvel movies so like i knew like i'd probably have similar thoughts so i'm gonna i will watch it sooner rather than later but uh that sucks to hear i've been watching a couple tv shows myself i'm just gonna quickly talk about them just one after another um star wars the bad batch on disney plus season two they're like nine or ten episodes out so far i've watched nine of them really enjoyed actually more than season one so far less filler episodes just like a good old time in the star wars universe which is what i love and they're explaining they're slowly filling more holes between revenge of the sith and a new hope you know like more stuff behind the scenes like questions answered you know like just little things little details that i love so that's the bad batch i'm also watching on netflix vikings valhalla which is like a spin-off of the show vikings this show takes place 100 years after the vikings show and it just continues on and it's in england and you get like the historical aspect with a bunch of good fight scenes and badass characters so i'm really enjoying that show too i'm only on season one those are the two TV shows I've been watching and really like them. So I recommend them both. <clears throat> cool. Any any TV shows for you, Eric? Um, yeah, actually, Wu-Tang Clan, uh, Wu-Tang and American Saga, uh, the third season's on uh, Disney+. Plus. So I started that the other day. Really good stuff. I've only seen the first two, and I want to space them out. They're um, weekly drops, so I'm 
I'm going to try to not stay up to date with them and maybe just binge a few, wait, binge, wait. But no, it's, it's a great show. Like I love the format that they chose for this story, TV over a movie. You get to spend more time with the characters and uh, like I love their music too. It's getting me, like I've been listening to like Raekwon albums lately. Like it's really fun. Um, that's about it though. Like I've been listening to an album that dropped a few weeks ago now called This Is Why by Paramore. I don't know if you know this band, Matt. Hmm. It's like alternative no. rock. And um, like I... Oh yeah, Paramore. Paramore. Like I, I don't really know... Like I'm sure if I heard their songs, I would know them. But I just saw like it was a new album. Like I'll check this out. Switch it up a little bit. Great album. It's one of my favorites of the year so far. It's been a pretty slow year in music, honestly. But I'm enjoying listening to this kind of different music. And um, yeah, it's, it's a great album. Like solid vibes. Like... Uh, I don't really know how to describe it. It's like rock, alternative rock. I would recommend that if you want something different and um, just fun. Like it's a short album, 30 or 40 minutes there tops. It's solid. Yeah, I will check it out. I saw it's honestly, Eric, I've listened to like two hip hop albums, 2023 so far. Like I'm, I haven't been like, I haven't caught the itch to like, I haven't like gone full deep into like my uh, 2023 logging all my albums I'm listening to. Like I'm not like in the mood right now. I'm doing like listening to oldies right now. But uh, this is why Paramore. Okay, good stuff. I need to get on that Wu Tang show. I've never started oh, no. it. No, and you and Brandon's been raving about it. Uh, po- uh, guest of the podcast on our hip hop shows. Brandon like loves that show, of course. You talked about it before. So, yeah, I need to get on that. That in, in Atlanta, I've never finished it. Like, I've never even seen the first two seasons. Um, I've been, I watch. I did watch a couple of movies. I'll talk about one movie. Um, haven't been watching the best ones recently. But uh, this is, the movie I watched was You People on Netflix. Okay. Jonah Hill, Eddie Murphy. You Have mean? you seen it? No, okay, so <laughs> I'm interested to see what you're going to say. Because I did want to see it. And then, like, this podcast I listened to just ripped the movie. So, I don't know what you yeah. thought about it. But... So, you people. I, I kind of loved it and hated it okay. at the same time. It's two hours long. It's way too long. Here's what I lo- Okay, here's what I loved about you people. I liked the actors. I liked all the little jokes they did. The humor in the movie was my kind of humor. Okay. Some of it was super offensive. Some of it was, like, over the top. Love that stuff. Love the little, like side conversations and jonah hill still made me laugh eddie murphy still made me laugh julia louis dreyfus too like that stuff was good all like the 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 humor but then what i hated about the movie was beat they beat you over the head with these like political things and like the 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 you know the jonah hill's dating uh black eddie murphy's daughter you know it's a it's an interracial couple they just beat you over the head with that which is what the movie's about i mean it's called you people like it's it's you know it's going to be about that but like it's so stereotypical unoriginal very predictable you know what's going to happen you've seen this before in other movies eric it's like yeah yeah we've been there before let's go but I also liked all like the some of the like raunchy humor and stuff like that. So I don't know. It, I'm glad I watched it, but man, it it is getting ripped apart by some people. And you know what? I to- I can't disagree. Like there's even there was even this thing like one of the kisses in the movie is CGI. That has nothing to even do with the story. It's just like how they shot the movie. I don't know why they did that. 
I wanted to talk about like I want to see if you watch it. It's a movie that needs to like I think people should watch it, but it's almost it's showing like maybe Netflix this movie may not have existed, but Netflix like greenlit the project and had it as one of their original. I don't think it's a movie that would have like came straight to the theater. It it could, it, ha- it could be very offensive to some people actually, just the type of humor and stuff. Um yeah. I did I did want to it's it's I want to talk about it because it's. I kind of liked it a lot of it, and then I hated a lot of it at the same time, which rarely happens with me, Eric. Like I'm super generous, like viewer. Like when I rate a movie, I didn't know what to rate this movie. I gave it three and a half stars, like seven out of ten, because I still enjoyed it, but like, uh, it could be a two star or a five star, depending on like not a five star, but like two, two to four stars, depending on like where you lean. If you can accept all this preachy political stuff. I don't know. Very decisive, divisive movie. Very divisive movie. Um, Cause a lot of people did like it. So yeah. Yeah. So like with those kind of movies that tackle like those social or socio political situations there that maybe not everyone wants to um, address in cinema, like you kind of wish that they, like we all know what's being presented you don't need to constantly explicitly say like this is what you're seeing right now or like this is what we're saying when we mean what this is what we what we mean when we're saying this like just maybe say it in a slicker way that's hinting at whatever you're the message you're trying to convey but don't like be like you said beat us over the head with it i I haven't seen the movie but i i can imagine what you're saying and i also don't love that like be a little more be more twin peaks in make us think about it and like work for it and don't necessarily just spoon feed it to us as uh, people who like to dig and work for messages in in movies right like yeah i feel like that's fair to say twin peaks puts your mind in a blender when you're watching so maybe you don't go full twin peaks but you know what i'm trying to say um yeah but no i know it's it's too bad that i kind of went at it with that approach and that i saw it it didn't get good reviews i didn't watch it i should watch it because i was interested in it like i like jonah hill it had um from the trailer i saw there's a lot of like rap talk as well like i know i saw a little skit of like yes you're being like take care drake and you have to be or you're being certified lover boy drake you need to be fused drake something like that so like that's humor that's right up my alley so i i feel like i should give it a shot there's a lot of conversations like that in the movie, which is why I loved it. Cause I actually understood what they were talking about. So that was great. Like that you'll appreciate and love Eric. And there's a lot of movie talk too. Love that. So it's like, that's the stuff I know and love. But again, it's like you set up something. You don't have to explain like the punchline, like beat us over the head with the punchline, just like be tacked, you know, be, but I don't know. Maybe it was made for a simpler audience. I don't know. Sometimes I overthink things, but sometimes I'm like, oh, maybe people actually want to see that. You know, there's movies for all types of people out there. So maybe this just wasn't catered. Maybe I wasn't the targeted target audience, right? So, Cocaine bear out now yeah. at the time of uh, this drops. Got my tickets already. You have them? No. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay. God, no. It look, that- How bad would it look? That yeah. looks ridiculous, but again, it's the one of those movies that like <laughs> Megan. I, I thought it looked ridiculous, but it did super well. So I'm, 
I don't know. We'll see um, how that does. And Horror. Okay, yeah. it's like these movies like Quantumania, you think, in my mind, are going to be like slam dunk winners. But it's those weird old movies like Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey, that those are the ones you walk away from being satisfied with having spent your well-earned money to sit down a theater yeah. and watch. So, anyways, next movie I'm going to see is Creed 3, which I'm very excited nice. for. I hope that hits. It literally will. And I hope it delivers... Um, I want again. I'll just say right now. I, I hope that Creed loses in this one. Shocker! But I think that he's like if you've seen the first two Creed movies, have you, Matt? First of all, yeah. Like he wins in both of them, so it's time for him to lose because in I haven't seen all the Rocky movies, but I know for a fact he doesn't win in all of them. So give us this narrative of the peaks and valleys for this character. Nada. He loses the first fight wins the last one in the third act. Like, yeah. give us a... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe wins the first one, loses when the stakes are highest. Like, shake things up a little bit because I'm pretty sure they're going to do a fourth Creed. So that, that would be perfect to keep this character around. Um, I'm not sure if you've seen trailers for Creed, so I don't want to say anything there, but I think okay. you can tee up Jonathan Majors to be another main villain for this franchise as well for a couple movies. Um, or maybe at the end of the movie they become friends again. Who knows? But I'm I'm excited for Creed three though. That's the next one I'm going to see. Maybe Cocaine Bear, but Creed Creed three hopefully is good. And then Guardians, Super Mario Bros two. I'm gonna see that. Excited for that too. Yeah. Hey, don't knock Cocaine Bear. Horror is really hot right now. It makes it's making a lot of money. Look at the numbers from last year. Look how much money Smile made. Right. Um, that horror good? is a big people want smile was great yeah I, n- I never talked about it on the pod but i watched it i loved it it was less it, you know what the best part of smile is it, it takes itself seriously there's not it's there's no goofiness there's no comedy it's paced like an older movie actually like a movie made in the early 2000s or even like it's paced like a a foreign horror film actually less goofy american stuff like with teenagers like you know like yeah. truth or dare those like blumhouse horror films happy death day it's played straight and it is creepy as all hell and the main character kills it the main character is actually uh, kevin bacon's daughter i believe actor kevin bacon i think it's his daughter yeah someone told me that didn't doesn't really look like her uh, like him but uh she did great that um creepy. but no smile was that's a recommendation there you go smile there we go. really good horror film not as not cheesy, not goofy, not funny. Just plays it straight and is really good. Okay, there you yeah. go. That's all I got. I don't. Uh, I didn't. It's been busy around here, so haven't been binging too much. Yeah, same here. That's uh, all I got as well. Um, yeah, hope we gave you some good recommendations there. And um, yeah, Matt, a lot of fun talking uh, hockey with you there. That flew by, and uh, we'll see if any of our predictions oh, yeah. come true. And uh, looking forward to hopefully a strong finish by the Sens. All this to say there, I hope we can at least make it, make it, make some meaningful hockey happen for us there. There you go. Yeah. Uh, down the stretch. Any final notes for the listeners, Matt? No, just thank you everybody for listening. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Hope you're excited to watch the hockey playoffs like I am every year uh, when they eventually come. Um, no, just thank you, everybody, for listening. It really means a lot to me. I hope you're having a great time right now. Absolutely. 
So yeah, thanks a lot, everybody, for listening. Stay tuned for episodes dropping every two Mondays. Continue to stay safe. Love you all, and yeah, peace. All right, good stuff. Good, good.